week two of our vision series, and what we're talking about is our mission statement. And if you look in your worship folder thing, the little uh, pamphlet that you got, on the back it has our mission statement. And our mission statement has three words associated with it, reach, restore, and respond. Uh, Living Spring exists to reach uh, our neighborhood and surrounding communities with the love of the Father to restore lives to healthy relationship in the Son, and to respond to a move of the Spirit. And last week, what we talked about was the reaching. And the point we were making was that our job as Christians isn't to convince so much as it is to come alongside. And so when we reach, what Living Spring means when we reach is that we're coming alongside our community. Uh, We're coming alongside those around us. Now, um, and so one of the things we were saying was that you can belong at Living Spring even before you believe. And some of you are in that spot right now. For some of you, you're kind of figuring out the whole Bible thing. You don't know if you should, you know, is that really God's word or... Uh, for some of you, maybe you, you went from, uh, you know, atheist and now you're agnostic. You know, you know congratulations, like you're, you're making steps. But for you, you're just kind of in, in that phase. Well, you can belong here without uh, first having to believe. And that's what we talked about last week. We essentially, uh, we look at these five rings that we're talking about. Um, people, we have people divided into five categories. Uh, the first is the community. Those are the people around us. We're in a neighborhood. We have an address, 9851 Bixby Avenue. And so there's people in our community. And so they represent um, uh, one band. The next band is the crowd. These are people who would make their way onto our campus. So when we had food truck Tuesdays, uh, we had people come to our campus that wouldn't normally come onto campus. And, and uh, when we did our... Um, art show. We had several hundred people who'd never been on our campus, on our campus. That's the crowd. And then uh, the last is a congregation, and that is people who call Living Spring their church home. And sometimes they only come once a year um, uh, or, or twice a year or whatever. And other times it, it encompasses every single week for some people. That's the congregation. There's about 400 people at this church that call this their church home. They don't all come on uh, Sundays, every Sunday, which is what I want to talk to you about this morning. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, And then... uh, there's the, uh, uh, those that are the committed, and those are people who attend regularly, um, give sacrificially, which we just can't thank you enough for uh, those of you who partner with us financially. We couldn't do it without you. That's the committed, and then finally... Uh, we have the core, and those are people who are um, serving uh, in different ministries. They're giving financially. They're they're attending church. So what what we're always trying to do, whichever band you're on, we're trying to drive you towards the center. If you're part of the crowd, we want to get you in the congregation. If you're part of the congregation, we want to get you committed. And if you're committed, not we don't want to get you committed like to an institution. But uh, and if you're committed, we want to get you to the core. And so uh, reach covers those outside two bands. Rece- Store, which is what I'm going to talk about this morning, uh, covers the, the middle bands. And then um, Respond is uh, what, what covers the last one. And, and so what we want to do is take a first-time visitor to become a fully devoted follower of Christ. And that is our goal. Now, last week we talked about the idea that um, you can belong before you believe. But so you don't think it's a bait and switch we are going to try to get you to believe some stuff, <laughs> okay? I make no apologies on that. So, so you can come and you're figuring out God, you're figuring out the Bible and all this kind of stuff, but I'm going to get you, I'm going to try to get you to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for your sins, 
that you can begin a relationship with him by confessing those sins and asking him to be Lord of your life. I'm going to try to get you to believe that the Bible is the word of God and that it has words in there that actually should have authority in your life. I'm going to get you to believe, or try to if I can, uh, that you should be in some type of face-to-face group with other people who are on this journey as well. And so even though you can belong before you believe, I think uh, it's important that you believe because the final thing is to be changed. It's to be restored. And a lot of times life change can't happen until you have a set of beliefs that uh, that bring on that restor- uh, rest- restoration process. And that's what I'm going to talk about this morning is uh, the restoration process. This is um, a picture of Justin Zerwick's truck. Um, um, and so what he did, which is really cool, is he, he, he had an old picture of his truck when he first saw it. You can see it's on the left there. And um, it's it's just a frame, essentially. And, um, and then you can kind of see the restoration job he did. That, that's the right side. That's the actual truck itself. And if you've been attending church here uh, for a long enough time, you've probably seen this truck out in the parking lot. Here's the other side of that. Um, is, uh, so that's what the truck looked like when he first saw it. Now, that makes me break out in hives. <laughs> like if I saw that truck on the right, uh, sitting on the side of the road, I would light it on fire. I would try to get rid of it. I, it just doesn't, it looks useless to me because I'm not the kind of rest, car restoration guy. I just don't, and this might be a shock to you, but um, I don't have any patience. And... Um, <laughs> And so I know this is new, I mean, and I'm a pastor, uh, but I'm kind of like driven. I'm like, let's get things done. If it's not done tomorrow, it's all, we're already late. I mean, God, I just, it's just like, come on. And when you restore a car, you can't be that way. You have to be patient. You have to understand the process of restoration. You have to understand what, what, what comes first. I, I, here's a car I had. Um, I, I bought this car. This is a 66 Mustang. Um, and I bought it because Kai, who was our youth director uh, before Jonathan, said um, it's a good car to have because you can fix it yourself. And the parts are really cheap. And so I thought um, I could buy this car, fix it myself, keep my expenses low, and, um, and then, and then uh, I could just fix it whenever anything went wrong with it. Okay? Now here's the thing about 66 Mustangs. They get two miles to the gallon. And so... Yeah, you're saving a lot of money on parts, but you're, you're, you're just like, you might as well, it just, I might as well have like a gas like tower at my house because every morning I had to go put gas in it. And so, and, and the other thing with the Mustang is, yes, I could fix it myself, but there was always something that needed to be fixed. And I don't have the patience for that. One of those things that needed to be fixed was when I would turn the corner, my horn would honk. And because there was a short in there. And so uh, I, I'd just be driving along, minding my own business, and all of a sudden, ah, ah, you know, and the, the person like ahead of me is like gesturing uh, hello and, you know, <laughs> good to see ya, buddy. And I'm like, I'm like, I, you know, I just look like I'm, I'm just an idiot, you know, I, you know, so. And, and it would drive me crazy. And, and what would happen is because it, there was a short, not only would it um, honk, but it would spark. 
So you're kind of driving along, you know, like you're, like you're in a, like a firework stand, <laughs> kind of. And so you'd go and you'd be, and, and the, it would start honking and you'd take it apart. So I, I took apart the whole steering column, all this stuff. I was doing stuff with wires and all that. And I'm thinking to myself, I hate this. I hate this process. Um, there's a show on television called Overhaul, and I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's on cable. And there's a guy named Chip Foose, and he is a, a master of fixing up cars. And what they do is they, uh, they essentially steal your car. Somebody, somebody who loves you uh, calls up the show and says, hey, this person's, you know, they're, they're trying to fix up the car and all that kind of stuff. And so they steal the car and they make it, you know, the person thinks their car was stolen. And then a week later, it's all restored. I remember one day praying, dear Jesus, <laughs> I've given my life to ministry. Please have Chip Fu steal my car. I would drop hints to my wife. I love this show. Man, could you imagine the Mustang if we ever did that? Because I love, I was enamored with the idea that you could have this car, it would leave for a week and come back and it's perfect. I wanted very desperately to shortcut the restoration process. I don't like the restoration process. I ended up selling the car, which is one of the happiest days of my life. Uh, but, uh, but I started thinking about this concept of restoration and chip foose and um, why he never got my car and fixed it up. I thought, man, what would you do if you had a car like that, and Chip Foose came to you, and he said, I'm going to overhaul your whole car. New paint, new engine, new stereo, blah, blah, whatever, new rims, a whole thing. I mean, when you get done, it's going to look like just this gorgeous car. He comes to you and he says, I'm going to do that for free. You'd say, yeah. And he says, but you have to sign the title over to me. You can drive it. You can, you know, it's your, it's your car. You got, but you have to sign the title over. Would you do it? I started thinking about this concept because this is the concept we're going to be talking about this morning. Now, I would say, well, no, I don't really want to sign the title over to him because then it's his and then I don't, it's not mine. I don't, I don't get the, you know, but if I don't, then I, I still have this the, kind of the, you know, crappy thing I have, you know. It's like it's, it doesn't get restored. And so, so it's like, well, I want to use it, but, you know, and the kind of thing. This is exactly what your heavenly father is asking you to do. Your heavenly father wants to do this restorative work in your life. Your heavenly father has a picture of you. When he sees you, he has an image in his mind of a restored you. And you probably have an image in your mind of a restored you. We, we call, sometimes Bob and I will talk about it, um, we'll say, uh, your future self. You know, we'll say, you know, make sure your, your future self is going to be angry with you if you don't do this. And you probably have an image of your future self, probably thinner. Okay, most people don't, don't have a, they don't picture themselves in the future uh, uh, bigger. Okay, and you probably have a future self that's wealthier. You don't think of a poor future you. Well, your heavenly father has a restorative picture of you, of what you would look like fully restored. Not struggling with anxiety, 
not struggling with addiction, being able to let things roll off your back, being able to be in healthy relationships. This is, this is what he holds that picture up. And you see you, all junky you, and then he had this picture, and he's like, oh, man, this is, is going to be great. But just like restoring a car, this takes time. And don't you wish sometimes, like I do, where you just think tomorrow, like, why can't they just, why can't I just be fixed? Like, like can't God just knock me on the head? <laughs> okay, I pass out, and then he does all this thing, and he takes the thing that causes my anxiety, and he takes it out, and he takes this addiction out, and he takes my, my, uh, all this kind of stuff, and he repairs my marriage, and he gets kind of everything all set up, and then all of a sudden I wake up, and it's like, whoa, this is awesome. It's just shortcutting the restoration process. Uh, this is my daughter's uh, Emily, and um, that's a 1994, and that's Audrey photobombing the whole thing with our dog. Um, but uh, that's a 1994 Toyota Camry, and my daughter bought that with her hard-earned money. Uh, well, she's paying me back my hard-earned money. Uh, but... Uh, uh, but here's the thing, that, that car, she loves that car, she, she drove it to Arizona, and you know, it's hers, and all this kind of stuff, but guess who has the title to that car? I do. I have the title to the car because it's cheaper on insurance, and all, all that kind of stuff, but now why in the world would my daughter allow me, after she pays for this thing, she works hard, why would she allow me to own title to, to her car? Because she knows I love her. And she knows that I have her best interest in mind. Now, going back to Chip Foose. What if you knew Chip Foose loved you? <laughs> that sounded really creepy, actually. Okay, let's put it this way. What if you knew Chip Foose had your best interest in mind? And he was watching out for you. Would you then sign over title? Here's the thing we want to learn this morning. Fully uh, surrendered lives are fully restored. If you're wondering why in your life there's this stuck spot, if you're wondering why as you kind of look at your own life, um, why you get to a certain place and uh, maybe you, your horn goes off when you take a turn, right? Maybe you have an anger problem or you flare up or whatever. If you're, if you're wondering why, the answer is that fully uh, surrendered lives are fully restored. I would submit to you that there's an area in your life that is not fully surrendered to your Heavenly Father. And so he can't do the work that needs to be done. Matter of fact, I want you to see Jesus' model for this and what he sees when he looks out. Uh, if he were up here, what he would see and kind of what uh, he would do when he was uh, here on earth. This is just talking about his ministry and Matthew's writing. He's summing it all up here. And in this next few verses, you'll see, our, you'll see our mission statement embedded in these verses. This is where we get it from. Okay? Uh, we figured it'd probably be a good idea if you're going to have a mission statement to make the mission look like Jesus. <laughs> that would be important. Um, here's what he would do. Jesus went through all the towns and villages. That's the reach part of, of what we talk about. That Jesus went out. Jesus is amazing to me. He's God, okay? And, and, and he can do all this stuff. You'd think he'd just kind of plant himself at one spot and just have everyone come to him. It'd be a lot easier. 
And he did, he did walk on the dusty roads and all that kind of stuff. You'd think he could, he, he, he could do whatever he wants. He'd just sit down. People, you know, make their way and he blesses them and all this kind of stuff. Jesus went out. And so if Jesus goes out, there's a pretty good chance we should go out. And so this is what he does. He went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues. Remember what I told you is that it's not just belonging is great, but there's going to come a time when Jesus wants you to believe something. And so he's teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. That's the uh, restore part. He's healing every sickness uh, and disease. And so this is what Jesus was doing. And then here's what happens. He, when he sees the crowds, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were unrestored. He could, he could see the potential. And he could see that they weren't functioning the way that they were supposed to function. That, that, they, that they weren't um, operating in the way that they were designed to operate. One of the things I did like about my Mustang, uh, the only thing I liked about it, was um, if you were at a red light <laughs> and you knew that light was going to turn green, I would stomp on that gas pedal. And the tires would squeal, and I'd be pinned back into my chair. And I was using that Mustang exactly for what it was designed, to bring me joy (laughs) at very high rates of speed. Now, for those of you uh, kids who are here, and you're about to get your driver's license, I've been driving for a very, very long time. Okay, so uh, you can't do that until you're um, my age. No, but but, but that's, that's the thing. Now, it, some, you know, I, I know enough of your stories. Some of us have a car, sometimes even a Mustang, that just sits in the driveway. It's up on blocks, and someday you're going to get to it and all this kind of stuff. That's, that's, that's how Jesus saw these people. Like, oh, man, on blocks, it's a Mustang. Get that thing fixed and get it on the road. Jesus looked at the crowds. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. They were stuck. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And, you know, oftentimes when you look at your own life and you see that there's a place that needs to be restored and it's not, you think your heavenly father is condemning you for that. It's really breaking his heart. He looks and he says, you don't have to, you don't have to respond that way. You don't have to do it. That's not the way you were designed. And this is just Jesus' model. He saw that they, that, uh, they had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Isn't it interesting that Jesus knows that the restoration process is not only long, not only uh, has to be done in a certain way, but that it takes each other. Like, we need each other for this restoration process. Like, Jesus didn't say, he felt harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he's like, so I better do something about it. He goes to the disciples and goes, we, we need to get more people in this process. And so one of the things that I want you to believe by the time we're done this morning and as we move forward is that you need people in your life helping you along this journey. This restoration process doesn't just happen alone. One of the um, things that would happen for the Mustang uh, when I was working on that uh, is um, you, you'd need help. 
There were lots of things I couldn't, I couldn't do by myself. I needed somebody to hold something or I needed somebody to you know, do something else. It, it took, it took uh, a community, really, of knowledge and all these different things. This is what Jesus prays for. And then he says he calls it the 12 disciples together and he gives them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Jesus replicates himself so that those people can restore others. Fully surrendered Lives are fully restored, and fully restored people restore others. As you begin, and that's the respond part of our mission statement, which we'll talk about next week. But as we go through this restoration process, we begin to get victory over certain things in our lives, and we begin to um, see things that used to be um, drag us down. Now we are victorious on it. And you know what we do from there? We then turn and we help each other. This is what Jesus says. He, he sends them out. So what, what does this restoration process look like in our lives? Because like I said, you know, oftentimes we just love to just go, God, just can't you just fix it? So, some of us in, 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 in our community just, you know, it's like, God, why can't you just fix my husband? Why can't you just fix my wife? Why can't you fix my marriage? Like, why, why is this so hard? And that, and, and that God, in his sovereignty, has this process. And it's written down in 2 Peter chapter 1. And, and, and the first part of what Peter says is, is just mind-blowing. And maybe this is the only thing you get out of this sermon, is what, what you're about to read in just a little bit about what would that look like in my life? What would I look like fully restored? Not harboring any bitterness for things that people have done. Not holding on to shame of things I've done. Having relationships restored. What what would that look like? Here's how Peter describes it. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. So, if you think about it, let's say, let's just take my Mustang. All the parts are ready to be put on. I have all the tools. I have all the things I need to restore that thing. This is what Peter's saying. His divine power has given you everything you need right now for life and godliness. There's nothing else you need. Now, think about that. You think, wow, man, when... You know, oh, isn't that mind-blowing? It, it gets even weirder um, uh, later on. Yeah, no, it's not in this verse, but we'll, we'll get to it. Um, it's just shocking what Peter says. He says, you've given everything you need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate. This is what I was, this is what I was saying. You may participate in the divine nature. Now, when you think about yourself and being restored, and you think about God holding up that picture and going, this is what you can be. This is you restored. They, you call it the divine nature. Just let that resonate with you for a little bit. Does your, when you think about going to work tomorrow, okay, do you think about, yeah, I, tomorrow I'm going to get to work and I'm going to participate in the divine nature. Like, no, I'm just going to survive. I'm just going to try to not kill my coworker who clips their nails across me. Ugh. I, God, it drives me crazy. 
I used to have a coworker, and they you click, click, and I'm just waiting. You know, I'm in a cubicle. I'm just waiting for one of those nails to go flying around, and I get on my like, yeah, it's just disgusting. I digress. Now, what does it look like working next to nail clippy guy, but participating in the divine nature? You think about your marriage and you're like, man, I don't know if, if my marriage is going to make it. I don't know if we're going to make it together. We, we're struggling and we're fighting and we got all this kind of stuff. What, what would it look like for your marriage, for you to participate in the divine nature in your marriage? You're like, I just want him to pick up after himself. What does that look like in your relationships? Maybe people who've hurt you and, you, and you, you, you're holding on to that and you, you, they've, they've hurt you, no doubt, and you're holding on to that and but what does it look like to participate in the divine nature? The Bible says that God has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. You have it through these great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil, evil desires. In the, in the restor, car restoration business, this would be the rust. You get to escape the rust. You have to cut, cut out that rust or else it'll just it spreads like a cancer. He goes on, he says, for this very reason, here we go, make every effort, make every effort. Don't you wish the restoration process wasn't effort, <laughs> right? Like, don't you wish that like getting over like different parts of our life that it wasn't effort, but it is, and God's okay with the journey. He's okay with the process. As a matter of fact, God meets us in the midst of that process as we begin to be restored, as we begin to address the areas of insecurity in our lives and address the areas of sin and all these kind of things. God isn't sitting there with his arms crossed going, when you get it figured out, once you've restored your car, then come talk to me. He says, hey, I see what you're doing there. You know what you want to do? You, don't, you can't just paint over that, dude. You got to cut all that part out. You can't, you, can't, you can't just take spray paint and go away. Oh, that part isn't going to fit there. Like, I know you want Bluetooth in your 66 Mustang, but it's just not going to work. We're not going to hook that up. Okay, hey, you know what? You might want to try. You might want to try this different thing here or that different thing there. Don't worry about the outside right now. Let's worry about the inside. You see that? That's the process of restoration. As our Heavenly Father says, listen, let me guide your hand here. Let me, let me give you some information about this and this so that you can make wise decisions. We make every effort. Now, here's, what, here's, the, here's the way it goes. Um, well, one of the things I wanted to do when I got the Mustang, because you couldn't see it in the picture, but it had all these chips all over it. Like, like I don't know who, what the person did uh, when they that I bought it from, like if they just sat and threw marbles at the car, I don't know, but there's just chips everywhere. And so I just bought, it bugged me. I wanted to get the car painted. And um, my friend was telling me, don't paint the car, you paint it last, paint it last. Because you want to do all this work and all this kind of stuff. You don't want to take a newly painted car and, and put tools on it and all this kind of stuff and work on it. You want to you paint it last. But I hated that. Because if I was going to drive it, I wanted it to look good. You know what I mean? And then there's this process. When he tell me the process of painting, 
Oh, you can, I, I, just, I, just wanted to, I just wanted to go to Earl Shy 59.95, just go and just, just paint the thing, and there it is, and, I, and I'm good. And he's like, no, no, you can't do that. You've got to grind all that paint down. You've got to do this. You've got to cut out the thing. And I'm just like, eh. Your Heavenly Father is the same way with you. Listen, you've you got to get to the root of this. You've got to understand why you're this way. You've got to understand, you know what, this is what, you know, this is the relationship he wants to have with us. So here's the process. Add to your faith goodness. So you've got your faith, okay? You stripped everything down of all the things, and there you are with your faith. He says, once you've done that, you've got this faith, you add to it goodness. It goes on. And to goodness Knowledge. This is why I say I want you to believe certain things because this knowledge piece is really important. The knowledge of two things. The knowledge of the word of God as it has authority over your life and the knowledge of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And Paul says it this way, that I may know him. That I may know him. And Paul says it in this way, I, I count everything but rubbish. Like I, nothing else is, it, my knowledge of him is what's most important. And so what happens is you have this faith and then you're like, okay, I got it. I'm going to add to that goodness. I'm going to try to be doing the right thing and all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden you get hit with this knowledge of saying, hey, you know what? This area of your life isn't, you're going to have to address it. And you're like, nah, I, I liked it before when I didn't know what was going on. So then when you get this knowledge and what comes next, self-control. Because now you know what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. And now it comes down to the, where the rubber meets the road. And, and you, you have to um, uh, actually do it. Self-control. And the, the thing about self-control that uh, I just wanted to point out real qu- quickly. Self-control is really just Christ control. S- self-control is allowing Christ to control your thoughts. To control your uh, actions. To control your emotions. That's, you're just handing yourself over to Jesus at that point. Uh, your, your life is not your own. You've signed over the title that fully surrendered lives are fully restored. And so there's this self-control. Well, after you have this self-control, it's great for one day, but guess what? Uh, th- then there's the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. And that's why uh, uh, Peter says, and to your self-control, perseverance, <laughs> right? And some of you, that's where you're at right now. You're in a marriage and you're just like, man, I, I just, I don't, the healing isn't coming. The person isn't changing. And it's just like, I just need to get through today. That's part of the restoration process. You just making it through today. Maybe you have a health issue and it's not getting better. And your perseverance is just to make it through today. It goes on to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. So let me ask you this. Uh, for this week, so you look at your restoration process, um, do any of these speak to you at all? Like maybe just the first one, faith. Maybe that just is like, hey, I need, I need more faith. And that's where you begin with God this week. You say, hey, Lord, I, I, I don't have faith that you're going to handle this. I don't have faith that you're going to, I need, that's what I need. I need my faith built up. Maybe it's the next one. Maybe it's goodness. Maybe it's just like, you know what? I, I've been so focused on myself. I need to start thinking about others. I need to kind of get out of my uh, comfort zone and some things. And maybe goodness is the place where your restoration process is going to kick, get kick started. 
Your life is kind of just stuck on blocks in the driveway right now. And God's just saying, hey, to your faith, add some goodness. Get, do something. And maybe it is, like Jonathan was talking about, maybe it is uh, um, volunteering with the youth. Maybe it is taking a Sunday and uh, uh, working one um, uh, service in the children's ministry and then coming to church one service. And that's a sacrifice. That's a long time. But maybe that's where it gets jump-started. Maybe it's in knowledge for you. Maybe you've learned a bunch, but now it's time to kind of take that to the next level. Maybe, maybe it's reading uh, um, uh, an entire book in the Bible, a hard one like Romans or Ephesians or whatever, you know, and you're like, uh, Ephesians is just one long run-on sentence, you know, and so you're just, you're just like, you, you, you pick that one. And, and all of a sudden, now you're learning. Now you're allowing God to speak to you through the, through the word of God, and maybe that's where you need to go. You need to increase in your knowledge. Maybe for you, it's self-control. Maybe there's an area in your life that you know you need to, you, you are out of control. And that, that's, that's where you're stuck. And that's where God wants to kickstart this restoration process in you. Maybe for you, it's perseverance. It's really, it's hard for you right now. You're in a tough spot. Whether your relationships or health-wise or life stage or whatever. And it's just like, man, I, I, just, I just need to, maybe it's your job that you go there and you just don't like it or it's in school. And it's like, man, we're only halfway through the semester and I can't stand it. And it's, maybe it's this perseverance where in the midst of that, in just the daily grind, you meet your Heavenly Father in that restoration process. Maybe it's godliness. Maybe there's some issues in your life where you need to, there's sin issues and you just got to get them handled. Become more godly in your speech. Maybe it's brotherly kindness that goes on. The reason I bring all these things up is because what happens in the next verse is really the vision for your life. Like the next verse that Peter writes is, is really kind of the encouragement of what God sees when he sees you. He says this, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The reason restore is a part of our mission. And the reason why we try to help you get restored and we want you to help others get restored is because we do not want you to be ineffective or unproductive. We don't want you up on blocks in your driveway resting. We, we like Jesus, want to hold up a picture and go, this is what you're going to become in this journey. And that's why we accept anybody, whatever journey you're on, whatever, whatever phase in the restoration process, it might be like Justin's car and you're just, you come through those doors and you're just a frame and somebody's dragging you, you know, like a, like a tow truck, just dragging your, your, your frame in here. Well, let's get, let's get started. We got to start somewhere. As Ajua comes forward uh, to lead us in this last song, um, I'd hope you take some time to just kind of think, God, what, what, give me, give me, give me the picture of where I'm at. Am I just completely rusted out? Is there something that needs to be tweaked? Do I need to just kind of move this over here? And, and we, we do a, a few things during these times of, of, of silence or whatever as Ajua leads us. One is we fill out our connection cards. Maybe that's what you put on your connection card. It has to do with some part of your restoration process. Something you need prayer for. Maybe it's courage uh, to make some life changes. 
But we want to get a connection card from every uh, household so that we know you are here, that we can connect with you that way. Um, the other thing we do is we take our offering, and I know a lot of you give online, and so the taking an offering, we don't really pass a, a basket, we just prepare it. But for those of you who write checks or um, uh, give cash or whatever, uh, those connection cards and the offering goes in that box in the back. And again, those who give, we just want to thank you so much for uh, partnering with us in those finances. They're so, so important for allowing us to do what we do. Um, but the last thing I want you to do is just to listen. Listen to God. Maybe he's going to point to a little spot that you need to get to work on. Maybe he's going to give you a different vision than what you have. Maybe you need to hear from him that he can be trusted with your whole life. So um, we're going to do that, and then I'll come up and bless us, and we can go. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you so much for your loving kindness fact that you are the great restorer. Lord, I pray that as we as a church are in the restoration process as well, that we would, uh, that we'd be good at it, uh, and that you would guide us and direct us. Lord, now as we uh, take a little bit of time, we want to hear from you uh, as you guide and direct our lives in Jesus' name. Amen.